Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Let's pray. Father, we reflect on this story, Lord, and and how the shepherds, when they heard the angel's announcement, uh, made haste. They dropped whatever they were doing, Father, so that they could go and see you. Father, this story was uh, 2,000 years ago that this happened, Lord, but the reality of seeing you uh, is no different today than it was then. So, Father, we pray that as we come to your word, that we would drop everything that clouds our minds, drop all the things that would distract us, so that we can see you here clearly this morning. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, about a week ago, a uh, week or probably two, ago, two weeks ago, uh, we had some uh, mutual friends decide to do kind of an impromptu uh, potluck uh, Christmas dinner. Uh, and they wanted to do this, so they, they sent out a group text. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a group text. I'm not a huge fan of group texting, but they sent out a group text and to five different families to try to get all of our schedules together in order to have this potluck together. And my wife will tell you, she gets the text message, she reads it to me, and what do I say? I say, never going to happen. We're never going to find a time that all of us can get together to make this event happen. Surprisingly enough, I was wrong. We managed to get everybody's schedules together and wrangled together, and we were able to get together, and we had a wonderful time that night. But I was cynical about it from the very beginning, and I was cynical about it because it is so hard during the Christmas season to sometimes schedule things. Why? Because the Christmas season is just full. It is chocked full of gatherings. We have family gatherings. We have church gatherings. We have office happy hour gatherings. There are uh, gatherings where people get together and make cookies and gatherings where people get together and, and make ornaments. We gather together with friends to, to go watch Christmas shows or to go to uh, train displays or to go check out the lights over in Hamden. The, the Christmas season is full of gathering, of bringing people together, gathering together, Uh, to celebrate the Christmas season. 
If you've been with us uh, the past couple weeks, you'll know that this Advent season, we've been, we've been looking at some of the simplest things, some of the simplest Christian or, or, or Christmas traditions that we all engage in, and we're looking at them in the light of the gospel. A couple weeks ago, we looked at gift giving and the practice of gift giving. We looked at suffering, which often characterizes the holidays for many people. If you were with us last week, uh, Drew talked about uh, gift receiving and how that reflects the gospel. What we've seen is all these cultural traditions tend to be shadows or echoes of the gospel story that exist in our culture and in the world that we live in. This morning, what I'd like to do is take a few minutes and just look at the cultural practice of gathering of gathering together, whether whatever occasion it might be, but gathering together and how that reflects something very powerful about the message of the gospel. There's three things, three, four things. I think it's four. There's four things I'd like us to look at about this idea of gathering this morning. And the first thing that we see from the scriptures is that God himself, God is gathering a people Or God is in the business of gathering to himself a people. If you read the the scriptures kind of from the start to the finish, uh, you get at the very beginning this idea that God is seeking to gather to himself a people. When you get to, to Genesis chapter 12, you read a story about God interacting with a man, an old man named Abraham. God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I am going to make you into a great nation. You're going to have many children and your children are going to outnumber the stars that are in the sky. I'm going to gather you and your children and you as a nation to be a people to myself. God makes a really special promise to Abraham and his people after that. He says to them, I will be your God and you will will be my people. And if you read the entire Old Testament, it talks about how God had a unique and very special relationship with the nation of Israel. But then as you continue to read through and you start reading the Old Testament, you see that with the coming of Jesus Christ, God expands the people that he is about to gather to himself. Jesus said this in Matthew 13. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. See, what Jesus is highlighting in this passage and in so many other parts of his teaching is that God is gathering to himself a people and they are a people of every kind. And when you look at the Christmas story, as we've talked about all throughout the season, you see that God gathers himself to himself, a people, even in the Christmas story. We heard about the wise men this morning in the story in Matthew 2 about uh, the wise men. We have the song that says they were three kings, but they probably weren't kings. 
They were probably astrologers or, or philosophers. There was probably more than three, as we talked about before. And they came from all the reaches of the world in order to find Jesus. They studied the stars. They were a people who worshipped the elements. They worshipped fire and, and water and the earth. And as they studied the stars, they saw something different. And they were drawn to Jesus. Many people believe that they wore these white robes with these incredible, incredibly intense uh, vestments. They brought these incredibly uh, uh, precious gifts to Jesus, meaning they were probably very wealthy people. They were part of the upper class of people who traveled from the east just to see Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, we read about Simeon being gathered to Jesus. Simeon was an old man, another old man. He was a devout follower of God. And when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, something immediately stirred inside of his soul. And he knew that this baby was the very Savior he'd been waiting for for his entire life. So he runs up to Mary and Joseph, he grabs the baby, and he starts running around the temple in celebration that Jesus, God's plan of redemption, has now come. Luke tells us that Anna was there that that morning. She was another devout follower of God, and she rejoiced when she saw this baby as well. So God is not just gathering wise men. He's gathering Simeon and Anna to Jesus, even in these stories. And the passage we read about this morning was about shepherds. Shepherds who were in their fields one night, just minding their business, doing their job, and all of a sudden, the heavens opened up and angels came, not just to announce the coming of a new king, but to sing his praises. What an incredible sight that must have been for those shepherds. If you study the history, you'll know that shepherds were not very well thought of in the ancient society. Many people looked at them as kind of the dregs of society. They were uh, the very unlikely people to receive this announcement from God because they were not well thought of. They were considered to be unfit for normal society and unclean for regular society. Their job would be to protect and raise sheep that would be used for ritual worship uh, in the Jewish system of worship. But the very practice they were engaged in made them ritually unclean. So the very practice that they, that they engaged in, the very worship system that they were a part of, they couldn't engage in themselves because they were considered to be unfit and unclean. But what our passage tells us is that as soon as they heard this angel's song, they were drawn, they flocked to see Jesus. They were gathered to see Jesus. And see, I think what the gospel writers are trying to help us to see is that all of these people that were gathered to Jesus were very different people. They were from different ethnicities. They were from different socioeconomic classes. They all came from very different religious commitments and different religious traditions. Yet despite all of their differences, God was gathering them to this baby. God was gathering them to Jesus. 
Now, as we look around at our church, we can look around and say, wow, this isn't probably the most diverse church that's out there. Uh, It's something that we pray for all the time for that God would uh, bring us greater diversity. But if you think about God's people throughout the world, it is a really remarkable thing because even this morning, worshipers of God are gathering all throughout this country and all throughout this world. People of different shape and size and class and ethnicity and socioeconomic backgrounds, they're all gathering together in places of worship to lift up the name of our God. Why? Because God is gathering a people to himself. All of it is a a picture of heaven, our eternal destination, when God will, will complete his great work of gathering and what the book of Revelation tells us, that all of those worshiping at the throne at the very end are from every different tribe and tongue and language and people group. It is a beautiful picture of what God, a people, God is gathering to himself. The second thing that I think we see as we look at this is that a very simple thing, and that is that we as people were, God not only is gathering us to himself, but we were actually made to be gathered. We were made to be gathered. The gospel tells us that all of us were made for God. We were made to to be in a life-giving, vibrant relationship with God himself. But what the scriptures tell us is that our sin, the sin that we engage in, causes a rupture in that relationship. Our sin and rebellion has made us into people who are orphaned and estranged from God. Because in our sin, we choose to go on our own path. We ignore the very reason that we were created for. Instead, what the gospel tells us is that we were made to be gathered to God. But we weren't just made to be gathered to God. We were made to be gathered into not just God, a relationship with God, but in a community with other people who worship God. You see, the gospel doesn't call us to be lone, lone ranger Christians or to have a lone ranger relationship with God. Instead, it calls us to be involved in this messy community that's called the church. It calls us to be in relationship with other people, other people who are in this room that all have their own unique insecurities and messiness and hangups. God calls us to be in relationship with one another. And that community becomes beautiful and sweet when we commit not just to be loved, but to love others even in our messiness. Because we were not just made to be gathered to God, we were made to be gathered to his people, to live in community with other people who worship and lift up his name. The third thing that we see is that his people are gathering around his son. And this may be the most important thing that we can see in this whole sermon. And that is this, that Jesus is both the object that his people are gathered around and he is the means by which they are gathered. 
You see, in this Christmas story, all of these characters were gathered around Jesus. They all had very different responses to this baby Jesus. Some of them were humbled. uh, Some of them were in shock. Others were surprised and amazed at, at what they found. Poor Mary and Joseph were just hanging on for dear life on this ride that God had put them on. But everyone, what was in common with all of them is that everyone was radically changed by an encounter with Jesus Christ. Because they had encountered God in Jesus, their lives were never to be the same. They were changed at their most radical and their most, uh, the, the essence of who they were. And this is the very thing that makes uh, church gatherings or church different than all other gatherings that exist in our culture. Because there's lots of clubs out there. There's lots of uh, affinity groups that are out there. Uh, I'm a part of a running club of people that like to get together and run with one another. Uh, if you hang out in Baltimore, you'll know that, that half the city is involved in, in what's called Raven's Roosts. And these are, these are little regional clubs of people uh, that get together, not just to watch the Ravens, but to talk about the Ravens. There are book clubs out there. There are garden clubs out there. There are hiking clubs out there. There are clubs for every sort of affinity and hobby that exists in this world. They are all over the place. But this community, the community of the church, is different. It's different because it is built around the person of Jesus Christ. It is built around God who took on flesh, God who sacrificed himself and was raised from the dead on the third day. He is the one and only true object that we can gather around as a church. But he isn't just the object that we gather around, but he's also the means by which we are gathered. The gospel story tells us that, like we said before, that that our sin has estranged us from God the Father. We are cast out. We have become spiritual orphans due to our sin. We are spiritually bankrupt people who are unable to get back into good graces with the Father. We have the condemnation of sin and the law and death hanging over our heads, bearing down on our shoulders, and that is the very reason that Jesus came. He came to make a way for us. He came to rescue us from sin and death, and his sacrifice on our behalf becomes the means by which we are gathered to the Father. Which really brings me to to the final point of what we're looking at here this morning. And that is being gathered to Jesus Christ fulfills our greatest need and our greatest longings. It fulfills our greatest need and our greatest longings. We've talked about this before at City Church, but just just take a minute to sit here and think about what are uh, the greatest needs that you feel like you have in your life right now. We can probably all think just right off the top of our heads of, of several things that, that we could use to make our life a little better. But our greatest need is not to have a few extra bucks in our wallet. 
Our greatest need is not to be more successful in our profession. Our greatest need is not to find the most perfect spouse. Our greatest need is not to have more obedient children. Our greatest need is to be gathered to God the Father. And Christ came to meet us in our greatest need. Because the gospel tells us by faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on our behalf, we can be restored to God the Father. Because we are spiritually needy people. But we aren't just needy, we are also desiring people. We are, we are people that have needs, but we are also people that are filled with desires. We often uh, delineate that for our kids who come to us and they say, we need this mom and dad, we need it. And we say, no, you just want that thing. See, we are human beings that are full of both needs and desires. We're full of longings. And what we do is we try to satisfy those desires and those longings with the things of this world. But they only provide for us a temporary joy. It's like a joy that we can grasp that then goes through our fingers like water or sand. We cannot hold on to them because the only way to have our greatest desires and our greatest longings satisfied is to be gathered to God the Father. And Jesus is the one that makes that happen if we cling to him by faith. And that's what the gospel tells us. Uh, 2015 was a really fun year for me, and uh, there's a reason for that. There's a lot of fun things that happened uh, in our family in 2015, Uh, but one of the more fun uh, things that happened to me was that I got to buy a Jeep Wrangler this year. Uh, If you've known me for any length of time, you've known that ever since I was probably a teenager, all I ever wanted was a Jeep Wrangler. And I've never had the chance to have one before. I had a Jeep Liberty. It was like a fake Jeep for a long time. But I had always wanted to get a Jeep Wrangler. And I silently cheered when our car bit the dust this year. Because I thought maybe this is our chance now. So, so we went out and we were able to get a, a Jeep Wrangler. And I was driving it around with great fun. Uh, I was, oh, honey, do you need any errands made? You know, I found every excuse I could to drive. And one thing I began to notice as I started driving uh, this Jeep was that uh, other people who drive Jeeps began to start waving to me when I drove. The first time, uh, the first time I was driving and I, I saw another Jeep and I began to admire it and I noticed that the other driver was waving to me. Now, it was, it was a specific wave that Jeep drivers do and it was they put their hand on the wheel like this and they just lift up the two fingers like this. That's what they do. <laughs> The first time I saw it, I said, do I know that person? You know, as I drove by and uh, as I kept passing more and more Jeeps, I began to realize something. I began to realize I've made it into the club now. (laughs) I have now been gathered into a community and I am now a part of this community. So as soon as I realized that, I realized that there's a certain obligation that comes with that. And I now have to be a waiver. And I was excited to become a waver. So the first time I saw another Jeep after doing this, I did this very overly eager, excited, bouncing up and down in my seat, waving like this sort of picture. 
now long after having a jeep for a long time i've now settled into putting my hand up and doing the two finger wave like everybody else does now but what made me so excited about that was that i had been gathered into a community i'd been given access into a community that was built around jeep wrangler drivers well friends the reality is that we all desire to be gathered into a community. But ultimately what the gospel tells us is that our greatest need and our greatest longing is to be gathered into God's people, is to be gathered to God. And Jesus Christ is the means by which we are gathered to God. This is why we came. And by faith in him and his finished work on our behalf, We can be counted in God's community and we can be his people and he can be our God. Let's pray.